morning, church. I hope you're all doing well. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Psalm 29. Psalm 29 is where we're headed today as we continue our way through the Psalms this summer. Uh, as, as many of you know, Caitlin and I spent the last week on vacation with her family in Lake Chelan. Uh, it, it was a wonderful time, beautiful. Uh, some of you may have seen the photo that I shared in the email this past week. I mean, it was a beautiful uh, time to spend time on Lake Chelan in Chelan, Washington. Uh, we spent time with her immediate family as well as some extended family that we haven't seen in a few years. Uh, and so it, 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 was, it was great. Uh, unfortunately, we also had an unwelcome visitor among us, COVID. <laughs> During our time together, Caitlin and one of her family members tested positive and came down with some cold symptoms and things like that. Uh, nothing serious, everyone's okay. Uh, so far, uh, apart from waking up this morning with a little bit of a hoarse voice, you probably can hear that. Um, I haven't had any symptoms. I, I, I haven't had a positive test. But because I was exposed in close quarters, um, I'm recording this video for you today and keeping my distance. So I'm disappointed to not be together and with you in person today. But I'm looking forward to reflecting on Psalm 29 together. So let's begin by reading Psalm 29, beginning in verse 1. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you uh, for the invitation to worship you, to hear you, and to receive your blessing. God, I pray that as we consider the words of your scripture together this morning, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So every week we gather together on Sundays to worship, right? I mean, look around. Here we are. Well, I'm, I'm not there, but... Um, 
But every week we gather together to worship, right? And our worship services always contain a few key ingredients. At the beginning of each service, someone always gets up to welcome everyone and to lead the Lord's Prayer as a way of calling us into this time of worship together. Another essential ingredient is hearing the Word of God as we read and reflect on Scripture and hear his invitation to the table where we receive communion, right? And then finally, at the end of the service, we are always sent with the blessing of God as we go into the coming week. And so uh, every week we have this call to worship. We, we hear the word of God and we receive God's blessing, right? These are things that we experience every week when we gather together. And this is the very same thing that we see in Psalm 29. It begins with a call to worship, ascribe to the Lord, worship the Lord. And then it moves to hearing God, right? The voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord over and over again. And finally, it ends with blessing. The Lord gives strength to his people and blesses his people with peace. This psalm essentially walks through an entire worship service as it describes and depicts the God who we worship. It's a psalm that calls us to worship God in the midst of all of life. So let's look through each of these sections together. The psalm opens with this call to worship. The opening verses, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Now, this word ascribe is probably not one that we use on a regular basis, but we get the gist of it, right? Ascribe means to attribute or to acknowledge the source of something. Uh, when, when people come to visit our home uh, and they look around, they enter and they, they point out the colors, the decor, the beautiful things in our house, I ascribe that to Caitlin, right? She is the source of the beautiful things in our house home. I attribute it to her. So to ascribe to the Lord in these opening verses means to acknowledge God's glory and strength and God's beautiful holiness. It means turning our attention to God, to acknowledge the reality of who God is. He is glorious and strong. He is beautiful and holy. This is who God is. And you see, turning our attention to God is the essence of worship, both here in a worship service, but throughout all of life, turning our attention to God is the essence of worship. Now, I want to try something with you for a moment might be a little challenging because I'm not actually with you to do this, but, but follow me here, all right? I want you to take a moment to become aware of your posture. How are you sitting right now, all right? Now, sit up in your seat, straighten your back, move your shoulders back a little. And I want to invite you to lift your head, look up. Look at the, the beautiful wooden ceiling, right? 
Raise your head. Take a deep breath. Now, what does this change in posture feel like compared to just a moment ago, right? Maybe your neck and your back are kind of stretching in a different, maybe refreshing way. And of course, looking up feels different than that. All right, you can you can be at ease, you know, do do whatever you want. Uh, my guess is that as as we you know took that moment to sit up and look up, many of us before may have been a little bit slumped over, right? Uh, you know, maybe heads hanging down a little bit, on and on, until we pause to sit up and look up, right? That slumped posture uh, causes back aches, neck aches. I'm sure you're familiar with these things, right? But sitting up and looking up can stretch all of that out. Now, what does all of this have to do with anything, right? You know, or doing little exercises or something. But that slumped posture, it's not good for our bodies, but it's even worse for our hearts and our souls. You see, in, in the first few centuries, church fathers and mothers and theologians described sin with the Latin phrase, incurvatus in se, incurvatus in se, which means curved in on oneself. Sin is the slumping of the soul. It's being curved in, slumping over on oneself. Sin is a way of being preoccupied and consumed with ourselves, turned in on ourselves, our worries, our own situations, our own desires, all the things about us that have nothing to do with God or others. And just like slumping can cause back aches, sin will cause soul aches. Shame, fear, anxiety. A slumped down, curved in posture of the soul. But if sin is the slumped posture of the soul, well then worship is the upright, extended posture of the soul. It's a way of sitting up and looking up as we turn our attention toward God. And hear me, it is such a wonderful thing to move beyond ourselves toward God. It's such a wonderful thing to turn our attention away from worries and concerns and towards God's glory and strength. When we shift our posture to one of worship, everything else changes. When we live in, in a, you know, curved in on ourselves, then we will tend to think of God through the lens of our own experiences. Life is hard, so God must not be good. But when we live in a posture of worship, we begin thinking of our experiences through the lens of God, right? God is good and strong, so we'll make it through whatever difficult times we face. A posture of worship, 
reminds us of who God is before anything else. It reminds us that God is bigger than whatever challenges we're facing. And it even opens us up to hear and to hold on to God in the midst of the challenges that we face. And that's exactly where the psalm goes next. In the next section of the psalm, verses 3 to 9, we see the recurring refrain, the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord over and over again amidst the description of what seems like a mighty thunderstorm. Right? There's water, there's thunder, there's lightning, there's broken trees, shaking ground. Uh, in, in fact, one of the commentaries that I read this week pointed out that when this psalm was originally read or sung, it would have actually sounded a lot like a thunderstorm. Uh, the Hebrew word for voice is kol, kol, with a hard k sound. So the voice of the Lord in Hebrew is kol Adonai. Kol Adonai. So this section of the psalm would sound like this. Kol Adonai is over the waters. Kol Adonai is powerful. Kol Adonai is majestic. Kol Adonai breaks the cedars. Kol Adonai strikes with flashes of lightning. Kol Adonai shakes the desert. Kol Adonai twists the oaks. You see, this, this section of the psalm, you can hear it as one thunderclap after another after another. Kol Adonai is this rumbling sound of thunder. The storm builds and builds and builds. In fact, seven times we hear this thunderclap, the voice of the Lord. But here's the thing. Amidst the terror of the storm, it's flooding flashing, shaking, the psalmist is hearing the voice of the Lord, right? I, the psalmist could easily have said, this storm is terrifying. Where are you, God? And there are other psalms that do, in fact, say that. But because the psalmist in, in this psalm is already in this posture of worship, ascribing to the Lord, worshiping the Lord, he says instead something to this effect. This storm may be terrifying, but here you are, God. Right? In verse 3, he says, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. Right? God is stronger than this storm. God is victorious over these threats. In verses 5 and 6, there are references to Lebanon and Syrian. There's a nation and a mountain to the north of Israel. And then in verse 8, there's a reference to the desert of Kadesh. That's a region south of Israel. So this picture is that God is greater than all these things that are surrounding them. Uh, the, these enemy territories, right? Just the sound of his voice makes them leap in the air like baby livestock. Makes them tremble and shake. God is stronger than whatever or whoever comes against us. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. He's greater than the storm. Now, as followers of Jesus, we are people who confess that Jesus is Lord. And so, as we read this psalm, it is his voice that we hear 
over the waters, above the storm. And I can't help but think of a story from the Gospels. So if you want to, you can, you can turn there to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. You see, Jesus at this time is traveling with his disciples, and they board a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee. And then beginning in verse 37. A great windstorm arose. The waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke and rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And then the wind ceased. There was a dead calm. He said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I wonder if the disciples ever thought about Psalm 29 after this experience. The wind was blowing, the waves were crashing, the disciples were terrified. Meanwhile, Jesus is totally at peace, right? Completely unafraid, so much so that he's sleeping, right? He is unconcerned with all of this chaos that is going on. But the disciples, of course, shake him awake and, and you know, what, what's going on? And he wakes up, he rebukes the wind, says to the sea, peace, be still, and everything immediately goes quiet. And he turns to the disciples and he asks them, why are you afraid? Almost as if to say, don't you remember Psalm 29, right? Don't you know the voice of the Lord is over the water? And they're amazed because they're in the boat with the one whose voice is over the waters. Jesus is the one who is greater than their greatest fear. He is the one who rules over the wind and the sea. This is who Jesus is. And that's where the psalm ends as well. Verse 10, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. Right, when we confess that Jesus is Lord, we affirm that he is the one who rules over all things. He is enthroned over the flood. He is enthroned as king forever. Jesus is enthroned over the storms and the floods of our lives. He even rules over the greatest enemy, death itself. In the book of Revelation, John has a vision of Jesus, and he describes him this way. Jesus was dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were blazing like fire. 
His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. What an amazing vision. John goes on to say, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look. I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. What a description, what a moment. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. He was dead, but now he is alive forever and ever. He holds the keys of death. Jesus is the one whose voice is over the waters. Jesus is the one who is enthroned as king. So we do not need to be afraid. As we close, uh, what are the storms that are raging around you? What are the waves that crash and the lightning that strikes? What are the fears that paralyze you? The anxieties that set you on edge? What are the sins that turn you in on yourself? What are the things that we struggle with as God's people? In the midst of these things, Psalm 29 calls us to turn our attention to the Lord, to listen for his voice, to see his power, and to receive his blessing. You do not need to be afraid. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. So let all in his temple cry glory. Let us continue worshiping the Lord. Amen.